I just want to welcome all our guests this morning. Oh, welcome in Jesus' name. Let's give them a hand. How are you? I don't know if you guys heard about this uh, little kid, a couple years old, maybe three. And uh, his mom and dad had this bookcase. It's a big black Bible up on top of it. So he didn't know what it was. Finally, he asked his parents one day, he says, what's that big black book up there? They says, oh, that's God's book. So the kid thought for a minute. He says, well, maybe we ought to give it back to him. We never use it. <laughs> Sadly, that's true in some cases. Well, today we're going to look at another attribute of God. At least I think it's an attribute, his glory. And it's a very big subject. Um, it can't be covered in one or two sermons even. It have to be like a series. But we can at least uh, get an idea of it and define it a little bit and uh, understand what he wants us to know about it at this point. I'm just going to give you what he gave me, and but there's a lot more. Uh, the Bible's all full of this. So... Um, Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. If you never did anything uh, for us, you were worthy of our praise just because of who you are. And Lord, uh, we thank you that we have your word, that you sent your spirit, that the spirit of God inspired the word of God. And so we ask you this morning, Holy Spirit, to come and speak to us, to minister the word of God to each one of us. Something for this one and something for that one. Something for me. You're the one that inspired it. So we don't want to hear from Brother Warren. We want to hear from the spirit of the living God. So we're asking you by grace to minister uh, your word to us, because your word is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And it will change us, Lord, if we just receive it by faith and act upon it. So we thank you and give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> what if I were to um, tell you that you were made for God's glory? actually made for his glory, to live in the environment of his glory. I'm going to try to define it um, a little bit according to the word of God. And like I say, it's, it's a very pregnant word and has a lot of meaning. Um, and I'll just read some of this to you. The glory of God is a supernatural atmosphere of heaven. Because um, wherever he is, his glory is. Amen? Amen? I mean, you can't separate wet from water. You can't separate the glory from God. It's just part of him. It's who he is. Um, there's many scriptures on the glory, and we couldn't begin to look at all of them. So I just picked out a few that I feel like the Lord gave me, and we're going to look at them. The first one is in Psalm 72. Psalm 72, verse 19, says this, And blessed be his glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. 
Amen and amen. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. And the word there in the Hebrew is kabod. Uh, that's the best way I can pronounce it. It means weight. It doesn't mean weight a 200-pound man. It means weight somebody who has influence over others. It, their opinion carries weight, that kind of weight. And uh, it's a pregnant word, like I said. And it describes um, some of the meanings are our wealth, um, is, is one of them, uh, power, majesty, influential position, great honor. Sounds a lot like God, doesn't it? Can I get an amen? amen? It's also used to express fame and reputation, recognition, beauty, strength, dignity, splendor, um, excellence, holiness, greatness. Um, these qualities are all expressed in the meaning of his glory. So let's look at the New Testament. That's the Hebrew word for it is kabod, and that's the meaning of that. Let's look at Matthew 16, verse 27. <clears throat> it says this. Now this is Jesus speaking. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Now, the, the Greek word glory is doxa, D-O-X-A-H. And um, that speaks of his majesty and God's supreme, the supreme one, absolutely perfect in his deity. It, it best describes the Hebrew word uh, kabod. So if we united the two, the Hebrew word and the Greek word, if we united the two of them, kabod and doxa, we could say that God's glory is the total sum of his attributes, his character, his virtue, his brilliance, the brilliance of his presence and the splendor of his majesty, his very nature. Now I'm going to make a statement that you might not have thought about before. The glory of God is the live environment that Adam and Eve were created to live into. The glory of God is the live environment that Adam and Eve were created to live into. So they were created to live forever. It was God's designed environment for mankind. Everything he created, he first created an environment, and then he created it, um, what he wanted to live in the environment. First he created the earth, then he created plant life, then the seas, then the fish. In his glory, his presence, that was the environment that they were supposed to live in. <clears throat> See, Adam and Eve were never babies. God never changed the diaper. They were never teenagers. You know, they didn't stay out too late. They didn't have to borrow the car. 
none of that kind of stuff. They were created in their adulthood. Everything God made, he created, he created it in its complete form with the ability to reproduce its own kind, seed. Okay? So the old adage, what came first, the chicken or the egg? The chicken, of course. <clears throat> so the manifest presence, the glory of God, is the live environment. Uh, and in that environment, it's a, it's a living environment almost. And in that environment, um, everything is complete. There is no lack. I call it the glory zone. There's no lack in the glory zone. Hey, there's no, there's no sickness and no disease in heaven. That's the atmosphere of heaven, his, his glory. There's no poverty there. There's no death. There's no lack of any kind, nothing missing, nothing broken. Wow, y'all just missed a good chance to shout right there. Amen. Hallelujah. So the glory of God was the original environment that mankind was designed to live in. We're going to look at this in a little more depth. Um, I hope you're following this. Because Adam and Eve were sinless at this point. This is before sin. All right? We're supposed to live forever. And in Romans 3.23, very famous scripture, <clears throat> it says that not all have sinned and fall short. It doesn't say fall short of heaven. It says fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of the glory of God because sin separates us from his presence, his majesty, his person. He just radiates glory and light. And he is who he is. <clears throat> God's presence is a pure, uncontaminated environment. Of course, mankind fell from that environment of God's glory, from sin separated us from that, as we all know. <clears throat> oh, as I mentioned, everything is created or designed to live in the environment that God created for it. For example, uh, he created the earth and then he created plants, plant life to live in the earth. Amen? Then he created um, the seas and the fish live in the sea and all of creatures that live in the sea. They live in that environment. And it goes on. And mankind was created to live in the environment of God's glory originally. Amen? Can you see that? Are you following this? All right. So watch this. When a created thing is taken out of its designed environment, say we had a tomato plant growing outside, and we pull that tomato plant up 
and brought it in here and laid it down on these red bricks. What would happen to that tomato plant? Would it die? Yeah. That's not, it can't grow on these bricks. That's not the environment that God created for it. He created the earth for it to grow in. So it's taken out of its original environment. It's going to die. If you go down in the creek and catch a fish and you lay it up here in those red bricks, what's going to happen to that fish? That's going to die. That's not the environment it was created to live in. It was created to live in the water. Mankind was created to live in the environment of God's presence, his glory. That atmosphere. And so what happened when man sinned and was separated from God, separated from his glory, from his presence, he began to die slowly. Now granted, at first it took over 900 years for him to die. <laughs> but here we are today. You know, so we we're out of our original environment because we were designed to live in that glory. We were made in his image, complete and whole and sinless. And after sin came into the world, the essence of who we were, made in his image, began to die in our spirits. And therefore, we began to die physically. <clears throat> Separated from God's presence, the environment of his glory, since then, of course, all mankind is burdened with the sinful nature. We don't have a choice. We were born into an environment that we weren't created for. We are born with a sinful nature. You don't have to teach a little one how to do, um, you know, a little brother how to pull her sister's hair or something like that. You have to teach him to be good, to do things right. You don't have to teach him to do things wrong. Since, so we're out of God's designed environment, is my point. Um, like a fish out of water, because we're not in the presence of his glory, the way we were originally designed. I'm talking about the original plan. And so... No wonder life can be rough sometimes. You know, <laughs> we weren't even designed to live in the environment that we're in, a sinful environment. So I don't know about you, but I'm ready for some good news. How about you? Amen. All right, let's look at 2 Peter 3. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, <clears throat> but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So even though we're out of our environment and we have a sinful nature, God was so gracious that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for us, to take my place and your place. Amen. So in his grace and mercy, he provided salvation for us through his son, Jesus Christ. 
that gives us the opportunity that gives us the opportunity to once again live in his presence or at the very least go in and out of it amen, amen. and so I'm just going to throw a testimony in here. Most of you know we just bought a home recently after a long look. <laughs> months and months and months and prayers and prayers. Thank all of you that prayed for us. So two weeks ago, it'll be two weeks this coming Tuesday, we were sitting at the kitchen table with the lady we bought the house from. And... Uh, conversation finally got around to God and uh, started talking to her about the importance of being born again. I said, you know who President Trump is? Yeah, I know him. I know who he is. Do you know him personally? Oh, no. I says, well, I know who he is. He's the president, but I don't know him personally either. There's a big difference from knowing who someone is and knowing them personally. Amen? Yeah, she says. But I know God, she said. I said, well, that's good, but so does the devil, and he's not going to be in heaven. He knows who God is. Oh. Then I explained, just explained to her the gospel a little bit. And Romans 10 talked about that. You just make this confession and believe in your heart unto righteousness, making confession unto salvation, and the Bible says you will be saved. It's the word of God. There's no disputing that. I said, have you ever prayed that prayer? She said, no. I said, would you like to? She says, yeah. So we prayed over her kitchen table, which is now our kitchen table, and she received Jesus. Amen. Give God praise. Hallelujah. So this is all set up by God, I think, to get get her into the kingdom, at least partially. So, all right, back to where we're going here. <clears throat> so the Lord's not willing that any should perish. Hallelujah. I'll read a scripture to you in Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Galatians chapter 3, 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. What is written curses is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So there we have some promises from God, uh, promises after redemption, been redeemed from that curse of the law, and all sickness and disease that came into the world under that curse. It's not just for eternal life. And all the blessings of Abraham, you know, you can go to Deuteronomy 28 and look at them. We're not going to do that, but uh, you could. So the essence that was lost in the garden is brought back to us when we're born again. The ability um, and the opportunity to live in the presence of God. And... I don't think it's supposed to be just Sunday morning, you know, when everything is going to worship is great and the glory of God happens to fall and good things are happening. It's not just that. It's supposed to be all through the week. 
You know, Dan referred to that earlier. And um, we're actually carriers of his glory. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, he's in your heart, right? So where did he, where's his glory? Did he leave that somewhere or is it with him? No. So you were carriers of his glory. And so we need to let that out when we're out and about and talking to people and in a drugstore or buying groceries or buying a house or whatever you're doing. Amen? And I, I heard a story, um, the short story. How many of you know who Jerry Savelle is? A couple people. Anyway, um, he hangs around with Copeland and those guys. And... Um, this is a testimony that he gave at a conference I was at one time at Roberts University. <clears throat> I think that's where I heard it anyway. Um, he was shopping with his wife, our favorite thing for men to do. And they were going in this store and looking at anyone who went in another store. And he was just following her around. He wasn't really shopping. He was just trying to be a good husband and trying to smile. How do you like this, you know, and she would hold up. That's very nice. And this lady had been praying uh, for healing, and God told her to go to this strip mall or this mall. And he says, I'll show you a man to pray for you. And she was sitting in the parking lot in her car, and she could see this shaft of light coming down. And it would move around, and then it would come out of the store and go into another store and move around come out of that store and go into another store. And so she followed that light to Jerry Savelle. And she just walked up to him and asked him to pray for her. He says, I'll be glad to, but why, did, why would you ask me to pray for you when there's a whole bunch of people here? And she told him the story. He never saw the shaft of light, but the lady did. <laughs> you know, now you can look at that as that was God shining his glory down there, or some of it could be coming from Jerry. I don't know, but it's that kind of a thing. When somebody, when people look at you, do they see the glory of God? Do they know you're a Christian? Or do they have to try to figure it out? You know, I know Christian people that are, have trouble walking because they're going to step on their bottom lip, you know. And we should be the happiest people in the world. We've got everything given to us by grace. We just have to acquire some of the things. We have a part to play, and God has a part to play. He supplied everything by grace, and he gave us some of his faith to acquire whatever we need. It's the currency of the kingdom. All right. So if you're born again, you're a carrier of it. Remember, you were made to live in that atmosphere. So if we're supposed to be, if we want to be in that atmosphere of his glory or in his presence as much as we can be in this sinful world, how do we do that? How do we do that? I'm doing good on time. <clears throat> John 15 is a good scripture for that. John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5. It's talking about the true vine here, and Jesus is speaking. Verse 4, Jesus says this. He says, Abide in me, and I in you, 
As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Isn't that a really true statement? Without Jesus, we are pretty much nothing. Amen? At least I am. That's why I wear boots. I don't have to try to figure out how to tie them. I just slip them on. It works great. Verse 5 is what I want you to get. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. With me, you can do nothing. That's what we just talked about. So how do we do that? He suggested the word there for abide is meno. It's a beautiful word in the Greek. Um, so how do we abide in his presence? It means, that word means, abide means to stay in, to dwell in, to continue in, to remain in him. Hallelujah. And Christ in us. And then it says we'll bear much fruit. So, you know, we all have a place to live, or I finally do now. <laughs> so that's our dwelling. That's where we spend a lot of time. Amen? And that's what this is, word is talking about, is to dwell in him, spend a lot of time with him. The more t time you spend with someone, the better you get to know him. Amen? And... Uh, that's why I keep moving around because once people get to know me, they don't want anything to do with me. So I just stay somewhere for a while and I go somewhere else. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry. So because we're not in the environment of the atmosphere of his glory all the time, we need to actively seek God's manifest presence in his glory. We have to actively seek it. You know, um, God won't show up in some place where he's just tolerated. You know, some of these places God has just tolerated for a little while every Sunday. He wants to be invited. He wants to be welcomed. He wants to be have that husband and wife relationship with a, a congregation as well as an individual. <clears throat> So how do we do that? How do we abide and stay silently connected to the vine? <clears throat> well, that's number one. You just, just plain abide, stay silently connected to the vine. And you do that in prayer. I got seven different things here, but they're short. You do that by uh, the word of God and prayer. I mean, we should be, as Christians, we should be in the Word every day. Find some time, morning, noon, or night, somewhere, and be in the Word and in prayer. See, Jesus never, I don't think Jesus ever got out of the glorious presence of the Father when he walked the earth. Because it said he didn't do anything unless he heard the Father say so or saw him. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. All those miracles he did, he already knew what God wanted to do. And he had this really close relationship. And uh, what he was doing is showing us, um, uh, yes, he was the son of God, but he had laid down his power. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit now. And showing us what we could do as individuals, as 
if we had that close relationship with the Father. And I think just believe he just walked in his glory. He just knew what he just knew what was going on all the time. So I think that's possible. And it's maybe more difficult now. I don't know in this hustle bustle world where everything is drive up, that kind of a thing. But nevertheless, but find some time to to uh, quiet time. It don't need to be a, a lot. It just needs to be quality, uninterrupted time would be my recommendation and fellowship with one another and when I fellowship with you like yesterday with Tom and Barb's party I had to go early because we were still unpacking things but what a great time of fellowship that was and their family here I mean it's just wonderful and when you fellowship with one another Jesus lives in you I'm fellowshipping with him amen, amen. it's it's part of the whole thing and so that's, that's one of them. That would be number three. Number four, um, this is something he spoke to me some years ago. Praise until the spirit of worship comes. You know, praise is one thing, and then there's more of a reverent worship time that you get into, you know, when you get in the zone, whatever you want to call it. Uh, praise until the spirit of worship comes, and then... We want to worship in spirit and truth. Get everything else out of our mind and focus on him. He's so worthy. And just worship in spirit and truth. Hallelujah. And number six would be to exercise um, your faith for a manifestation of his presence to come. You know, there's been times when it, You've heard me mention it. Maybe some of the others have. It just feels like somebody put a warm blanket around you. We're in worship, you know, and it just the glory just falls. And and that's the time when when God bypasses man. You know, he has to anoint a man to do something. But when the glory comes, he just bypasses that anointing of the man, and he just does stuff. You just if the Spirit says something to you, you just ask the Lord for that or speak it out if it's for somebody else, and it will happen. It will. It's just, a, you know, it's just it's hard, hard to explain. And the last thing I got on here um, is to surrender to his will. You know, so often we want to do our will. They were talking about abiding in him. Now, so we can have that connection that Jesus had with the Father, or get as close to it as we can get. And we got to surrender our will to His will. You know, even at the cross, Jesus was obedient. You know, take this cup from me. Is there another? Is there another way? There wasn't. But praise God, He just went ahead. And died in our in my place. So those are the five things: abiding in Him, and we do that by prayer and and through the Word and through fellowship. Praise until the Spirit of worship comes. Worship in spirit and truth. These are just things that um, you know have worked for me. Exercise your faith for the manifestation of His presence. Everything in the kingdom is done by faith. Everything. It's done by faith. It's been provided by grace. 
even the faith that we use was given to us by God. We're now stewards of that, but it came from him. <clears throat> Think about that for a minute. Your faith is a measure of God's faith that he gave to you. All right. I'm going to close with one more scripture in John 17. And this will blow your mind. John 17, verse 20 to 22. Oh, Jesus is speaking. Now, just before we read this, when he said abide in him in, in John 15, uh, let me just read that quick. Abide in me and I in you. Now, Jesus is speaking here. That, that's not a suggestion. <laughs> okay, he's not suggesting that you abide in him. He's saying to me and you, abide in me, live in me, remain in me, continue in me, stay in me. He wants us more than we do. He wants us, us to be in his glory. That's what we were created for. All right, John 17, verse 20 and following. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Talking to his disciples. That's, this would be us. I do not pray for, for these alone, the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That would be us. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. You know, those who don't think unity is important, that's a good scripture. Brother Tom and some others in the community are working very hard to, to bring churches together. Um, Dan's doing things with eight bands one day. That's all about unity as well. If the church could ever come together in unity, it would be powerful. It's a sleeping giant. Verse 21. That they all may be one as you, Father. Oh, I read that already. And I in you that also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me. And then verse 22. I'll wrap your head around this if you can. And the glory which you gave me, Jesus said, I have given them that they may be one, just as we are one. Hmm. The glory which you gave me, in other words, the glory that the Father gave Jesus, I have given them, Jesus gave to us, that they may be one, just as we are one. So there's, on top of everything else, there's unity in the glory. Unity. Unity. When we come in to worship together, corporately. But you can take this uh, in your devotions, you know, the same kind of a thing. Add, if you don't have a time of worship, add a time of worship to your devotions. It'd be great. 
And I want to share one last statement. Um, in preparing this, um, Jesus said this to me. Um, he said, seek and pursue. We were talking about the glory. He says, those who pursue my glory will not be disappointed. That's what he said. Those who pursue my glory will not be disappointed. So I encourage you to pursue God's glory and his presence on a daily basis, not just on Sunday morning. This is great to come corporately, and we're really blessed in this church, this little church. But take it on out of here. You're a carrier of his glory. You know, maybe there's a shaft of light going from you and somebody's watching, like there was from Jerry Savall, or I don't know if it was going from him or coming down. The impression was in the testimony he gave that it was going from him. Uh, so I don't know. <clears throat> so let's have a prayer quick. Lord, we just thank you for your word, for your goodness, for your glory, Lord. Help us, Lord God, to walk closer with you in your very presence as you designed us to in the, in the very beginning, Lord, um, that we might be shining examples of you, Lord Jesus, to a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name, amen.